I want to share one little thing with you. One little thing with you. Because there are many people here, children of God, who, to the best of your knowledge, you're B'nai Noach, meaning you're children of God, you've accepted upon yourself the laws of Noah, and you have not converted to the Jewish faith for whatever reason, either because you haven't felt that calling, or it's at this time of your life, it's, it's difficult. It could be a wide variety of reasons. Okay? But I, I want to share something just personal from me to you, from my heart to yours. I want to say, I want to just talk to you. In Yiddish, there's a saying, Tzivishen fear Eigen, which means between four eyes, just you and me. I want to talk to you. Because I, I know, I've been, I've been, been a rabbi for a lot, a lot of years, and I know that many people who have been Enoch are very grateful to be worshipping the God of Israel and no other, and swearing in His name and no other, and bending their knees to Him and no other, and awaiting every moment for the coming of Elijah the prophet who will usher in the coming of the true Mashiach, the Meher Menu, fulfilling the final words of the prophets of the book of Malachi. I know that. I know that. And you know, you who are B'nai Noach, who chose not to convert, you know that Elijah, one of the central... Why does Elijah have to come first? What is it, like a show? And now I'd like to introduce the Messiah, please. <laughs> is he like the MC of the Messianic Age? So, you... you all right, so it's important to understand what is the role? Why does Elijah have to come before? So there are a number of answers to this question. But one of them is that there are, in this room, there are many of you who are imposter Gentiles, meaning you think you're not Jewish. The secret of your Jewish identity was buried in a grave in Germany, in France, in Scotland a long time ago. Because your great-great-grandmother felt that she, she didn't want to get killed. And people got baptized in order to save their lives and were sure not to tell their children and grandchildren because they simply, it was not, it was a dangerous thing to be Jewish. And then probably, I imagine, many of you grew up in, in the church in some denomination and uh, many of you got, were attracted probably to the Messianic movement, not because of the, any, it was because there was something Jewish going on there. And you're like, God, Jewish, I love it. I always love, I, I, whenever I'm in, in, in Bush Airport, I'm like, I see this rabbi there with a beard and a kippah, I just want to go over and shake his hand, but I'm afraid, I don't know, he won't, you know, I, 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 know, I know that when you see Hebrew, you want to cry. I know when you, when, you, when you see a Jew praying at the Western Wall, I know the first time you were ever there and touched it, you felt like you felt something you had never experienced in your life. There are many of you here who are Jewish and don't know it. One of the things Elijah, the prophet, will do is identify who you really are. But for B'nai Noach, there's a there's a feeling that you know okay 
the rabbis tell us, and we see it in scripture, after all, Abraham wasn't a Jew, he was a Mesopotamian. We became a nation at Mount Sinai. It's true, voluntarily, the patriarchs kept the Torah while they were in the land of Israel. But Joseph married an Egyptian, that would have been forbidden after the Torah was given. Before the Torah was given, it was fine. Um, Jacob married two sisters, which would have been forbidden in the Torah, but he married them outside the land of Israel. In fact, when he entered the land of Israel, one of his wives passed away at a very young age, and she's buried in Bethlehem, and to this day, and fulfilling the words of Jeremiah the prophet, and she's weeping for her children. I, I, no one said this to me, so it's from my heart. I'm just telling you this. I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I feel a, a, a burden on my heart. I share this with you first. Many B'nai Noach, I think, I think, I think, many feel, may feel like, yeah, all right, God loves me. I'm creating the image of God. I... I, I, I feel it, you know. I, I always tell people I don't um, have faith in God. I have knowledge in God. It's just, I, I, but maybe I'm a second-class citizen, spiritually. Jews are here, and thank God I'm like, but I'm not the same. Jews are Jews, and we're, we're thank God that we're able to, 10 of us are able to grab the shirt of a Jew and say, Take us with you, because we have heard that God is with you. Zechariah 8.23 I, I know that's how many of you may feel. Jews, after all, have 613 commandments. As it turns out, just so you know, of the 613 commandments, if you don't live in the land of Israel, there are 279. Because we have a temple, no sacrifices alone is 130 commandments. So if you live in Chutz La'aretz, you live here in Texas, as an example, as a Jew, you have 279 commandments. And anything, oh, I have seven, seven commandments. Now, in truth, this is technically not correct because we talk about the Noachite commandments that are all in the Torah, there's six in the Torah, and then there's one rabbinic one, and that is to have laws, meaning to enforce them. You have to have courts, which is the final one. But actually, it adds up to more than at least 70 commandments. There are actually seven categories of law. It's not just one must be thoughtful and not steal, and one must be charitable. There were no Noahide laws to be kind to people. What did the people of Ammon and Moab, the Ammonites and Moabites, do wrong when the Jews passed through their land and they didn't feed them? How does that fit into the seven Noahide laws? You see what I'm saying, Kenelach? Study the holy, delicious Torah. It's honey on your tongue. It's so delicious, so beautiful. It's all so beautiful. But people, I'm warning you now. If you don't study Torah, if you're not, if I didn't, if I didn't give Daniel a kiss or Isaiah a kiss each day, I'd be lost. 
and be gone. Please God, I'll only merit to live long enough to, to meet these great, great men of God. We'll see the redemption quickly in our time. But you, you may think that um, that Noahide laws are nice, but the Jewish stuff, that's Shabbos. Now, granted, we could every Noahide could jump on Shabbos and rejoice, and you should. Say, ah, Baruch Hashem Shabbos, what a wonderful thing that is. But, as you know, Noahide is not obligated to keep Shabbos. Jews are. Maybe we're, yeah, God loves us, all that stuff, but Jews are, you know, they're up here. So I, I want to I share this with you. So you should know that, first of all, we're here to serve you. What is the role of a Jew? The role of a Jew, what, what is our job? To be an accountant? Maybe. To be a doctor? Okay, maybe. No, our job is to be what? What's the role of a Jew? In Oral Agayim, Isaiah 49, verse 6. Right? It's those, that beautiful, exquisite term, Oral Agayim, a light to the nations, uh, is, comes from the book of Sefer Yeshayahu. I want those beautiful Hebrew words to be on your tongue. I will say Isaiah. But try Yeshayahu. It's very beautiful. It means the salvation of God. That's what his name means. The role of a Jew, how a Jew is different than a non-Jew, is really very simple. This is, this is the least complicated thing you're going to hear tonight. Is We are here is to bring the Malchashadai to bring the kingdom of God to this world. We say Neolainu every day. That's we. We are here to bring to be a Mamleches Koyhanim v'Goy Kadosh, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, because the world belongs to me. And God told us that when. No, He told us right before the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments, Exodus twenty. That's Exodus nineteen, verse five and six. The whole purpose. That means the whole role of a Jew is to ensure that the rest of the world comes to know about the God of Israel. We're really here to facilitate you. But it's more than this. Let me explain. These, it's, it's, there's really more than 70. There's really over 100 commandments incumbent on a nochad. It's beyond the scope of anything we're going to do tonight. But it's, it's a good idea to... But the Noachite really has an opportunity that a Jew doesn't have. You go, what? What do we have? Because a Jew is obligated to keep all the Noachite laws. I can't eat from the flesh of a living animal. And all of those subsets, you, have to be, you cannot cause pain to an animal. If you come home at night and your dog is hungry, it is absolutely forbidden for a Jew or non-Jew to eat before your dog is fed. It's forbidden. There are many religious Jews who don't have pets because there's so many laws involved in caring for an animal and not causing chas v'shalom. A dog doesn't have a concept that, oh, I'm not eating now, but in 30 minutes I'm going to eat. 
This is the reason. Why, why do you have to feed your pet right away? Because animals don't have the concept that you can wait and it's going to happen. I want to eat and I want to eat now. And I don't want to stop eating if it's a dog. <laughs> they have somehow something they just don't stop eating. So it's like they're always like starving to death. And, uh, but, but a dog, it, why do you have to feed the dog first? A dog, you're hungry, the dog's hungry. Why is the dog... But we have the ability to understand future and able to plant the future. And with the, we can anticipate that dinner will be ready in 30 minutes. And with that peace of mind, with that menucha, we can go and we can wait for dinner to be ready. To a dog, it's absolutely agony. Because the dog can't get that. So the dog is in much more anguish than you are. So you have to feed that dog first before you feed yourself. Now, in order to, to fulfill this mitzvah from the Torah properly, if you're plowing a field, you're not let a muzzle an animal while plowing the field, because for an animal, a cow knocks going through a field, it's like walking through pastrami sandwiches. <laughs> it's agony. You imagine you're walking through bagels and locks and you can't touch it. Okay, so... But there is a difference. Is the Noahide laws are all rational. They are all make sense. They all we can understand it. You're not allowed to steal. You have to pay your employees on time. Be very careful. Very careful. Malachi tells us if you don't withholding wages on time, you hire people and not pay them on time, that will hold back Mashiach. But it's very important that when, when you go into Walmart and, and the cashier gives you the change and you see that there was two 20s stuck together, there's an extra 20 there, not just give it back to her. You haven't filled the mitzvah. You have to say, I'm going to return this 20 because the God of Israel commanded me. Do you understand what I'm saying? That in order to fulfill the Noahide laws, which are really enormous, you have to say that I'm going to do this, I'm going to live my life in a certain way, not because it makes sense to me, because but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob commanded it. Do you understand that? Okay. Now this is why you have it over us. When a Jew is making Kiddush on Shabbos, when a Jew refrains from eating Tyson chicken, do they still have such a thing? They have it, Tyson, they have it. It's unbelievable. Kosher chicken, $385 a pound. <laughs> and then you go to the Goisha chicken, 42 cents. I'm going, what's going on here? No wonder Jews have to be rich. It cost a fortune to be a Jew. I'm like, what is this going here? An empire chicken costs $800, and this thing costs two cents, and they pay you to take it. And on Thanksgiving, they, if you have eyeballs in your head, they give it to you for free. I don't know what goes on. I've got, there we go, oh, Jews are so rich. We have to be rich, or else we're on the streets with a tin cup selling pencils. So... Are these jokes too complicated for you, or are you following? Good, okay. So, so when a Jew eats, the Torah says that, yeah, you can't kill an animal in any way you'd like to. You can't. You have to kill it 
in the, it says, in the manner that I have shown you, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 21, the Torah doesn't say how, that's the oral Torah. That means it's the oral tradition that tells us how to do it. But the Torah says, be careful, only slaughter an animal in the way that I showed you. That's what it says. So, so when a Jew, let's say a Jew makes Kiddush on Shabbos, right? So a Jew puts on tefillin, phylacteries. What can we do? There is no way to interpret that experience. It's not possible, but to say, God commanded me to, because there's, there's no straightforward logical reason of why I'm keeping the Sabbath. Now, one could read Maimonides' Guide to the Perplexed, which one, where Maimonides seeks to explain commandments that seem incomprehensible. There are such, such literature. But this falls into the category of chukim, of things that we don't understand. It means God rested on the seventh day, so we, that's the day that's holy, like God didn't do a thing and he needed to rest, and why do you need to rest for? Well, he's tired, and if he was tired, he never did anything. If he didn't do anything, why am I celebrating? I should celebrate six days. He did everything. Why am I there? It ultimately can't. Now, there's explanations, but the key is that when a Jew makes Kiddush, when a Jew puts on tefillin, when a Jew performs these mitzvahs, holds an esrog in his hand on Sukkot in the Festival of Tabernacles, there's no, we don't know why. We only know. Leviticus 23 tells us. So therefore, it's like a gun to your head. We are forced to say, why am I doing performing this mitzvah? Because the Lord of Lords, host of hosts, because my rock and my redeemer commanded me. You see? We Jews are forced. We, there's no other way possible to perform these ritual commandments without assigning the explanation to God commanded me to. On the other hand, we're created in the image of God. And therefore, the commandments that are Noahic commandments are all rational. People I hear, these atheists say, them, I don't need the Ten Commandments tell me not to kill. I know on my own not to kill. I like to tell them, you know not to kill because, because you create in the image of Hashem and therefore you empirically know it's wrong. If you could speak cat and you talk to a cat, let's say you could have a conversation and you explain cat, you really shouldn't murder mice anymore. <laughs> so the cat will go like, why? Like, you wouldn't, if you could talk cat, the cat will go, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right? Because the cat just can't. There's no neshama. It has no neshama. It has a nefesh, a life, but doesn't have a, it does not have a chelot nimal mamish, it does not have a divine spark. It's not creating the image of God. We can learn from a cat, we can learn many great things from a dog, kelev, kulelev, it's all heart, we can learn from it. In fact, all of Hashem's creations display His glory. Yeiducha Hashem kol ma'asecha, Psalm chapter 145. If you say that three times a day, you're assured a place in the world to come, if you say that chapter. So I'm actually going, oh, like world to come. We have a chapter. I don't want to lose that one. It's Psalm 145. We say it every day, three times a day. So therefore, the, for a Jew, it's really easier. Why? Because we have to 
assign, we have to ascribe a, a spiritual meaning that God commanded us to do this. Because there's no really logical reason why we put black boxes on our head and we, we have to say we're only doing this, God commanded us. But the Nolachite laws are very special, very unique, because they are, in a sense, rational. You think they're rational, but look, but they are rational. And therefore, you could say, no, I'm just a nice person. And therefore, I, the cashier gave me too much change. I know the person who works for me really needs that money on Friday, deposited in his bank, so he can be able to put food on the table. And I'm a nice person, and that's why I'm doing it. But if that person resists that temptation, says, no, 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 no. I'm doing it because the God of Israel commanded me. Woo-hoo-hoo. This is why I know Chai is on a very high level. Hashrecha, how fortunate you are, and how fortunate I am to be able to stand here with you and study his word, his great word, his glorious word, and may it be that everything that happens here raises up his name above every name and brings the coming of the true Mashiach, the Meher quickly in our time.